All right. Gentlemen, how are you? <laughs> Just dandy. Do you like the part you like the part where you roll into a pocket like you haven't been talking for five minutes yet and you turn it on and it's just like, oh hello, welcome. I'm glad you made it. John, you are you are looking pretty good. Do you um this is gonna sound a little weird, but I'm going somewhere with this. Do you do you work out? Are you are you um, runner or goer? You know, I try. Uh but I have two uh two young daughters that kind of keep me busy running after them. So Yeah. Yeah, we're um, yeah, we're just, so Jerry and I have talked about this before too. But I'm reading the um, I'm reading the Arnold Schwarzenegger book, uh, "Be Useful," and it just reminds me that while I was in great shape pre-pandemic, pandemic hit, and now I'm a slob, and I'm just I'm thinking, <laughs> well, okay, I need to get back into it. So this morning we got up and we worked out. We had a little gym. We got up and worked out, and I'm hurting this morning. Like I'm really, oh. I'm very uncomfortable. For sure, it, it, it'll beat you up when you get back into it. Yeah, but it's not very motivating to listen to Arnold tell this motivational speech about how he was moving the equivalent weight of a moving truck every afternoon <laughs> because it, because you just need to envision it. You just need to picture it in your mind how to be successful. I just saw an interview with him, and he was uh, obviously promoting the book, and he was just bitching about the fact that he looks at pictures of him when he was in his 20s and 30s, and now he looks at his body in his 60s, and, and he's... You know, he's obviously very depressed. And I'm going, you know, you still look better than 99% of all the people in their 20s and 30s. So, Agreed. you know, shut up. <laughs> he does 100%. Oh, my gosh. He's a tank. He's a, it is a good book, though. Has anybody, have either of you read it yet? No. I, I have not. I started the documentary, but have not, not finished. Yeah, I think we watched the first episode of the documentary. We're halfway through the book. So I'm going to finish the book. It's kind of like a highlight reel of the book, but it's pretty good. Check it out. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, you guys ready to get started? Talk business? You betcha. Let's do it. All right. Let's talk shop. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I am Danny DeVito, and with me, my sidekick today is Arnold Schwarzenegger. How are you? <laughs> How are you, Jerry? So good. That's, that's horrible. That's absolutely, that's as bad as my godfather. It's absolutely as bad as... No, nothing as bad as your godfather. When we wrap up, I want you to tell everybody that you'll be back. Can you do yeah. that for me? <laughs> All right. Look, uh, if you're just if you're just jumping in, you're joining us. Just as a reminder, we are streaming on the YouTube, the Facebook, the LinkedIn, whatever the heck the the X or the X, the Twitter, whatever that's called nowadays. Uh, you can you can join us there. If there's a chat window, uh, we're going to ask that you go ahead and say hello in that. If you've got questions for our guest today, uh, we're pretty excited about this. You can ask those questions. You can throw in your LinkedIn profile. You can just connect. Uh, we'll do our best to throw those up on the screen. We do go back. Uh, if you're watching, uh, if you're watching this after it's aired, we do go back and answer any questions that come up in those. We check those from time to time. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping before before we jump in really quickly. Jerry, Jerry, and I want to share. We've got uh, it's it's still a little. It's kind of beta ish, uh, I would say. But we we have done a yeah, you agree. We've done a a, a pretty massive update uh, or upgrade 
uh, based on our member feedback and some member ideas to the uh, the directory, the solutions yeah. directory that we had. Uh, for those for those who don't know, and I think we mentioned it on a previous show, uh, we created this directory because our, our members were asking for a list of the basically the tech stack right, and solutions that their, their peers were using. Uh, what ATS were they on? Did they like it? That sort of thing. And then has it been five years, Jerry, maybe? Yeah, yeah about five years. Um, this thing has evolved from a spreadsheet that we would share into uh, its its own platform that that now has I want to say we've just cleaned it up because so many acquisitions, so many merges, so many craziness over the last couple of years with tech, but and solutions. I think we're at about three hundred and fifty vendors sit in there. These are vendors that at least one of our members said that they use, and we've got about six thousand ratings and reviews that have been collected, and we're porting those in. And that's key. I mean that, and I think some of the features of the kinds of information we're collecting and the ability of each member to be able to reach other members using the tools so that from a peer platform point of view, they can benchmark uh, why people are using it and how, how well it's working for them. Yeah, I'm excited. We added a couple of things this morning. There's a calendar link. So if they're a vendor, a, a solution provider in there, they can add a link directly to an appointments page. Uh, they can add a one-click download and then we also opened up the social aspect for our members. So members who are logged in and have submitted ratings uh, and we've collected those, they're gonna be able to go in and see their peers immediately who have also added ratings, right? Right. So none of this anonymous crap, uh, once they're in and you've added those ratings, you don't have to reach out to Jerry and I and say, can you connect us uh, anymore? Now you can connect directly to them. So if you wanna check it out, cxr.work directory, it is a work in progress. So if you see something broken or it's missing a feature, let us know whole thing designed and developed and delivered uh, by our membership. So we're pretty excited about it. Cool. All right. Uh, oh, and as a reminder, we will be in Sydney, November the 29th. So if you want to come out, I think we've got almost 50 people registered uh, for that meeting. It is free. We are not charging for that. Of course, uh, our members can join, but we're also inviting people who are not members. Come in, strengthen your network, learn a little bit. We're going to be talking strategy. We're going to be talking uh, what did somebody say? Strategery. We're gonna have some strategery sessions. Uh, that was a that was a royal we because I'm not going. I, I can't get my airstream across the the Great Divide, and I'm I'm certainly not gonna be sitting in an economy anytime soon. Jerry, I'm 99%. It will float. I'm 99%. It will float. Uh, if you're interested uh, and you want to learn a little bit more about that, CXR to work slash Sydney. It's that easy. All right, so I want to go ahead and bring in our guest today. There he Ooh, maybe. Let's do it again. We're having a glitch. There's a glitch in the matrix today. There he goes. All right, John, can you hear us okay? I sure do. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Jerry. All right. Well, welcome. So so before we kind of jump in, because we got some stuff we're going to talk about with trends uh, and what you're sort of seeing in the space, because you sit in a really great chair to do that. Why don't you give us sort of uh, what we call an escalator pitch? Uh, of who is John Wilson and why should anybody listen to what you have to say today? I don't know why they listen, but um, I can tell you who I am. Um, uh, relevant to this conversation, I uh, started Wilson HCG uh, in 2002. Um, felt like there was a gap in the market when at the time, uh, again, early 2000s, looking at uh, what was happening in the talent markets, uh, specifically staffing. I felt like it was highly commoditized. Um, there was very little focus on what the client was trying to accomplish or um, on your own internal people, even though it was 
necessarily people business. Um, and uh, through that time, we've built the organization, spanned six continents, uh, a few thousand employees uh, in support, uh, some of the world's most admired brands. I love that. Yeah, yeah, love that. There we go. We'll bring you back. So we're, we're so John, we're going to talk and you've been you have been doing it a while. I mean, 20 plus years, but and, and Wilson HCG is not small. Right. Yeah. You're in 63, 65, 65 countries and six continents. Is that what I read? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting because when you support global clients, uh, you start finding yourselves in markets that you didn't even know you would ever uh, do business in or let alone employ people in. Um, but it's uh, it's been a very exciting journey to see uh one how one side how similar people are no matter where they are in the world with the same wants and needs and uh, desires for themselves and uh, and then the different customs and how that all can mesh and merge into uh, a corporate culture. I love that. I love that. So I I have a list of things that are that, that are kind of going on in the space from a topical standpoint uh, that have come up in conversations and the meetings we had this year. Uh, I want to give you a chance, John, to float up anything that 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 you think we should most certainly be aware of. Uh, but from a, can we can we just start from a technology standpoint sure. of, of sort of trends and what you're seeing? Yeah, um, I think the there's a gap right now between what people are talking about and what people are actually doing, um, and everyone you speak to is talking about AI and how it's going to change and uh, continue to evolve, evolve uh, especially as it relates to recruitment and how people do their jobs. Uh, I think all of that is probably uh, accurate at some level that uh, AI is going to be a, uh, a force as it comes to back-end recruitment operations um, as it will be uh, instrumental on the back-end of um, uh, you know, all business operations. I do think that it's, uh, we are getting ahead of ourselves if we think that the, um, the AI is going to replace recruiters. I always challenge people, um, walk around your office, ask them if they got a call from a robot, would they be in the job they are today? Uh, it's an astounding no. Uh, what company, what we're seeing companies use, and I think, um, this goes into a larger trend of uh, the the growth of the CRO, the CHRO, um, the focus on data and analytics, and being able to project and see a little bit into the future um, is is really top of mind. Uh, I think we've seen a focus on the contingent labor markets um, becoming more part of the CHRO's remit. And there's a, a focus of how, how, how they can start seeing things holistically and then being able to action from that data. Cool. Yeah, it's, well, it's definitely a call out. I mean, I think one of the conversations uh, we've been having is, is around this whole, how does AI play into direct recruiting? Mm -hmm. uh, and it's kind of interesting. We had, uh, we, we were out in Napa, we did a leadership summit just a number of weeks ago, feels like yesterday. Uh, but but we had um, a gentleman get up and he st he starts sharing information about um, these different analytics aspects of analytics with regards to application rates, and he mentions the fact that 
Uh, they have already scrubbed, and I think this was new to quite a few people in the room because you kind of heard the room do it, but they had already scrubbed the AI applies from the data. And I think for a second, for some of the leaders in the room, they're like, what do you mean AI applies? Like, we, you know, we can use AI for this and that, but candidates are using AI too, uh, which was kind of interesting. And I don't know if you guys have heard of it yet. Um, lazy apply. Have either of you seen this yet? I have not. Oh my God, the numbers make sense. So we tell, I have a Gen Z kid who, you know, was applying for work, applying for work, applying for work, getting so frustrated, applying to all these places and not get back. And, and the pitch that you give to, to applicants is who are struggling, it's kind of a numbers game for the most part, especially when the candidate experience is so shitty, right? For, yep. for the most part. Lazy Apply is this AI powered service. And I guess for $200, you get a, a lifetime membership. And this provides a solution to automate your job applications. So it will target thousands of jobs based on these these inputs or these parameters that you put in. Now, it's wildly inaccurate because it guesses some of the screening question, right? It doesn't actually, it's not really AI, right? It's just, it's just this bot going through and filling it out. But there, I, I read an article this morning. There's a gentleman who had applied for 5,000 jobs while sleeping for this 200 bucks, and it led to like 20 interviews for him. Yeah, and so yeah, and that's way more interviews that he's getting applying to like a hundred on well, his own. And and I, I think you bring up a very good point because AI has to. There's going to be a more need for human to manage the AI. Where we've seen um, instances where with pre-employment assessments, um, where someone has plugged into AI. Hey, here's the assessment questions, and here's the job I'm applying for. How should I respond? And we started seeing a trend with a client where, uh, for a few weeks, they were having almost perfect matches from the assessments, and the um, and, and the historical rate was about 0 0.01 uh, people were coming up as like a perfect match. So I think there's going to be more need to to validate data and make sure you're trusting data. John, can we can we get a bot to check for bot answers? In <laughs> really? Our, in our bot application. <laughs> so true. Yeah, it, it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, I think so. Some of them, I think Sonora was eighty bucks a month. I think um, Massive for like thirty nine dollars does fifty apps a week, but with a human reviewer. So I do, I do think it's a problem. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a quiet, pro not to steal quiet quitting and all, all the other bullshit labels, but I do think it is a quiet problem. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think it's just going to come uh, where as it gets more advanced, when you think about the downside of being an individual who does that or utilizes that service, at, at what point is AI going to be able to give us the ability to reputation manage somebody or be able to see how many jobs they've posted for or applied for? And those are all things that are possible in the future. So it's it's just a very interesting time. Yeah, just just as it's important for the candidates to know how many of the 200 people who applied for each job actually someone got back to and closed them out in a in a pr appropriate or respectful way. So the, like the, the we're factory, what we the, factory the, the, the whole thing here is it's just coming uh, into power, if you will. That we that we have not had as as candidates ever, 
but employers have had the power to make the decision and ask for every piece of information a candidate is, is supposed to give. Now, we're going to start seeing a hell of a lot more on the part of the candidate being able to get or infer information that they've never been able to do. And, and by the way, Chris, if you apply to 5,000 jobs and got 20 interviews, that's still less than one per hundred. So, so fundamentally, I like that whole piece because now 20 might give you at least one offer. I, yeah. And, and yeah, I kind of feel like if I put my recruiter hat back on, I don't care. I don't care how many jobs you apply to. If you make it to my desk and you're qualified, I don't care how you got there. Exactly. I think, I think where, we, where, where somebody's going to have a little earpiece so that, so that as you ask that virtual question, there's uh -huh. a there's a whisper. There's a you know interview whisper going on right right in real time. That's that's the one I'm I'm looking for. Well, I, I think that's going to and that may happen. And I believe that companies are going to have to focus a lot more on L and D and getting certain people in the door and upskilling them to the job they need them to do. Uh, great, great point, John. And and as well as, you know, making better use of the people you have internally and helping upskill them so that they can continue to move within the organization. A hundred percent. Very yeah, cool. I, yeah, I agree. I think I think it's super interesting. I think the, the number of TA leader and one last comment on this one, I think the number of TA leaders who are now experiencing that candidate experience, that lackluster candidate experience combined with jerry your point that shift that balance of power shift to sort of level the field uh for the candidates i, I do think we are we can expect uh a, a re-emergence of a focus on candidate experience i think it will be different than we've ever done it but mm -hmm. I, do, I do think that's coming in 2024 2025. yeah how about the staffing industry itself john i mean you're seeing two sides of all of this you have you know obviously you have a lot of clients you're seeing you you engage them you're seeing how they're operating etc but you also are part of a of an, an organization that goes way up in the good times uh, very often and uh gets hit often the first and hardest during the tough times yeah it's been a it's been a very interesting year and i think the the point that I think leaders are facing, regardless if it's um, in our industry or outside, is that there hasn't been an event. Um, this is the first time in my career where we've seen a market downturn uh, that hasn't been preceded by a global pandemic or a global financial crisis or a bubble bursting. Um, and that coupled, I think, with the high interest rates, it's driven uncertainty uh, across the board, which is made the employment markets in a lot of ways freeze up uh, similar to a stock market um, where we're seeing very very little uh, voluntary uh, resignations um, within organizations wall street journal just did an article last week about it um, and at the same time all our research and all our data saying people are as unhappy as they've ever been in their current jobs mm -hmm. um, but what that uncertainty does it drives people not to make yeah, big decisions because there's uncertainty. Um, and I think that kind of coupled with the myths that I believe uh, 
the BLS numbers that most people look at um, have been wildly off. Um, and, you know, as we saw last week, uh, a down jobs number, and then they uh, revised down another negative 300,000 jobs from the prior two months. Um, so it makes it very hard for people to have a real understanding. And I, I don't mean myself, I'm thinking, you know, CEOs of big companies when they're deciding should we invest in talent right now or should we hold, um, yeah, a lot of them are holding. Uh, and it's not that they're on major hiring freezes, but they're not thinking about growth. Uh, so there's a, uh, it, it's a very uncertain environment. Um, mm -hmm. Something like I've never seen the uncertainty. Uh, I wouldn't say it's bad time or good time, just uncertain. Interesting. So let me, let me shift gears just a little bit because um, Dell issued a report or shared a report, I guess, uh, this, this week. Uh, or at least I found it this week, uh, but it was recently published where it was a whole bit of research on Gen Z and kind of their outlook uh, from a from a economic scale, from a, you know, can the government help help fix things or right the ship uh, from an employment standpoint? John, do you have any Gen Z uh, predictions from from where you're sitting and what you're seeing? So their their integration into the future workforce, like from a TA perspective? Yeah, I, I think there's a, we're always evolving. I think just the, the general population as they come into a workforce evolves. I mean, I, I remember when I first started, I was wearing a, a tie every day to work. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing jeans right now, and this is about as dressed up as I get. And that was just that that evolution happened from different generations coming into the market. Um, but I, I do think that there's defining events in the workforces for each generation. And, you know, I, everybody was saying, oh, the millennials are going to be terrible. The millennials are going to be terrible. Financial crisis hit. Millennials were not, ended up not being that terrible. Um, but everybody said they were going to be. Uh, same thing as we look at the different generations. Every generation that comes in, they're going to be worse than ever. And they figure it out. Um, so I think with the way that the environments inside of companies have changed and evolved, uh, where it's very rare that you see a company that has everybody working. I mean, I'm from, I'm working from home right now. Um, you, both of you appear to be working from home. Um, work can get done anywhere. And so the, the thing that I worry with Gen Z is the remote working is the lack of in-person mentorship that, um, can, can just not occur because people aren't face to face. Uh, but, Again, I think we just have to continue to evolve um, and what the work, workforce looks like today is not what it will look like in five years. Yeah, I think it's pretty insightful. I mean, I, I would totally agree. I think one of the biggest challenges that that generation's probably got in front of them are some of the norms that a lot of us took for granted that we learned in the workspace. Just, just basic etiquette or interactive, you know, when, when we're interacting with leaders or we're interacting with colleagues. Uh, and I think they they aren't getting that sort of what do you call that field education, right? That that informal sort of education piece. Um, I don't know that I can't make a prediction to say that they will suffer from that one way or the other. And John, I love your point of it does feel like every few years there's there's a barrage of articles on how to deal with the next generation, right? We're all you know everybody gets to be you know get off my lawn uh, right. for the you know the next five years. But I think it's pretty insightful. 
But I, I think on the flip side of that, and the big positive that new generations and the younger workforce is bringing is um, when uh, you, 20 years ago, when you think about diversity and inclusion, um, you, I mean, this is real. I mean, you had people who were a lot of racists and bigots and stuff like that. They were inside companies making decisions. And as uh, things have evolved and I think are just as people, um, have have changed the mindset or the way of thinking where that stuff for somebody who's gen z they couldn't even comprehend it that there's those type of people out there inside organizations which i think is a huge positive and something that's going to drive our our workforce to be stronger um so i i think there's positives and negatives with with every with every generation i don't think this one's any different um, they have their own motivations and desires, just like I did when I was, you know, in my early 20s, and, and you both probably did as well. And some of those changes you and your generation was able to change. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, companies still need to perform and revenue needs to happen and profit needs to be made. And uh, I don't think this generation is going to impede that from happening. Yeah, I, I wanted to make a viral TikTok joke, but you took us to a very real place. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I appreciate it. Give us what, one more question for you, John. Do you, what What do you see as the 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 biggest challenge ahead for big organizations over the next year? Like the the biggest hurdle that they should probably look out for. And there's there's no money on the line here, obviously. But like, what 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 should the big watch out be for 2024 for the bigger works? Yeah, I, I think there's going to be winners and losers, like there is in every type of change environment. Um, the uncertainty of the, the economic markets, um, it, it's present. Everyone, everyone sees it. There are certain companies that uh, are going to look at this as a time to improve and get better. Mm-hmm. Others are going to look at it as we need to we need to cut, 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 and wait for the good times. And as any uh, Anyone who's ever bought or sold a stock before would tell you, you, you want to buy when it's low and sell when it's high. And uh, I think we're, companies are going to have to make that decision as they head into 24, which side of that they're going to be on. Um, but if there's anything I, I, I could say for big companies is don't be overly committal, um, whether it's the work from home or the virtual or every company is going to move and evolve differently and to set something as this is just the way it's going to be uh i think it, it two things will happen you will have, you will attract less um fantastic talent and you will drive certain people away um being flexible and understanding and, and continuing to understand what the real goal is of an organization um is is really critical for uh short-term and long-term success i love it don't don't recruit in absolutes is kind of what i what i took away from that right be a little flexible yeah good stuff well john we we asked this of everybody before we cut them loose uh if you were going to write a book today about the state of things and maybe even for 2024 predictions if you wanted to what, what would you title that book hmm uh, cautious optimism. <laughs> I love it. Who, uh, present company excluded, who gets your first signed copy, John? 
Uh, my daughters, because then they would actually believe that I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded, was it Dwayne Johnson? His daughter for years didn't believe he was in Moana, that he was he was the character in Moana, and they would argue about it. I'm I'm sure I'm sure my daughters when there was a sign our sign was on a building and I said that's our you know that's the company I run and they're like no you don't and that was the end of the conversation and I'm like okay you know you're not impressing anybody in that car no not <laughs> well John much much gratitude for you uh making the time to show up today we really appreciate uh you sharing your insights and, and just just cutting time out of your schedule to talk to everybody and thank you both very much all right That's we great. appreciate you. you hang out in the green room real quick all right everybody for everybody else we'll see you next week thanks for listening to the CXR channel please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it learn more about CXR at our website cxr.works facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on instagram at career x roads we'll catch you next time Come on.